Across the prayer movement, the Lord is raising up full-time intercessors to give themselves to being in the place of prayer night and day. But he's also raising up people in the workplace, Christian doctors, teachers, professionals, and salespeople from all spheres of influence, and they're finding themselves in prayer rooms, praying for their workplace, contending for revival, and a move of the Spirit wherever they're working. So what is the Lord doing with those called to be in the workplace? This is the Burning Rooms Podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms podcast. It's a bi-weekly podcast where we connect with the prayer movement in Canada and beyond and where we have conversations, share stories to strengthen your corporate and your personal prayer life. I am Johan. I'm Jehu. And I'm Jessica. So this week we are starting with a listener question, actually. What do you wish you knew before joining the House of Prayer? And I'm going to hand this one off to Jessica. All right. What do I wish I knew before joining the House of Prayer? Okay, I definitely had a start point in that I grew up going just to a Sunday morning church, and then it was about four or five years ago that a friend brought me to the House of Prayer, and I visited a few times and then ended up making that my home church. So I definitely remember starting coming to House of Prayer, so what do I wish I knew beforehand? Kids, this is going to sound a bit funny, but I, in some ways, wish someone had handed me a terminology spreadsheet. <laughs> like, I didn't understand. Like, as someone who went to a church, I was like, I literally was saying there, I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> and just every church has kind of their cultures, and I found the House of Prayer just has one. And you figure it out over time, and it's not so exclusive that it's not inviting. So I'm not mean to say that. But words like Shekinah and Hebrides, that sounds like a disease. I don't understand why we're praying for it. Uh, Marinantha. I, I think I even Googled that one and nothing came up. I'm like, are we making words up here? Why are we singing this? Uh, the word marketplace. I was like, uh, that's where you buy your fruits and vegetables. What are we praying for? So yes, terminology uh, is kind of a funny answer, but it could be helpful. So do you think now you would be comfortable explaining what the marketplace is? I think I would be. Yeah. The marketplace is a place where you can go buy fruits and vegetables, especially in Asia, which I love. But <laughs> in Christian circles, it is just kind of referred to as the workplace. So people who are in a place of employment outside the church. So not being in full-time ministry of any kind, but you're out in the marketplace. You're out in the spheres of society, um, just alongside other people from a construction worker to a daycare worker to a lawyer. You're in the marketplace. Thank you for explaining that terminology to us. <laughs> and there's a whole lot more where that comes from, a lot of terminology that we might need to explain on this podcast, maybe a future segment. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Let us know if you're confused at any point by any absolutely. words we say. Absolutely. <laughs> and you will get your question on the podcast if it's relevant. 
so we are talking about the marketplace today, the workplace, the marketplace. In the prayer movement across the stream, like in houses of prayer and in churches, and I know even workplaces, there's schools, and I know we have a good friend who's a doctor. He does a prayer meeting in his clinic before they start. There's prayer arising across the marketplace, and it's really tied to the prayer movement as well. A lot of people are tied to this prayer movement. The houses of prayer, like IHOP Kansas City, they have their marketplace prayer meeting. Here at Sanctuary House of Prayer in Winnipeg, we have a marketplace prayer meeting where the marketplace people, the workplace people come together and we'll pray for their workplace and we'll pray for them as individuals. So why is this important, do you think, in a prayer community? I think a big part of it is it's valuing the contribution that the people in the workplace do. Mm-hmm. It's giving them a sense of of validity to their occupation, to their calling, to where they mm-hmm. feel they're supposed to be. And for me uh, personally, as someone who's in the marketplace, I feel it's just so important to have that meeting that's, maybe it sounds selfish, but is all about me. That that <laughs> prayer meeting where, where we're praying for my workplace, we're praying for my students, we're praying for my even my province or my elected officials we're we're praying for things that are on my heart and that uh, affect me that I can see influence in and so we're making it really personal and so to have that as one of not the only but having that as one of the prayer meetings makes my calling in the workplace feel validated yeah, because in the House of Prayer, we have a lot of prayer meetings on praying for singers and musicians, that the Lord would bring them in in droves and intercessory missionaries, that the Lord would fund hundreds of full-time staff to be in the House of Prayer. As someone in the marketplace and workplace, Jehu, how does that make you feel? Can you connect with those topics when we pray for those things? Oh, uh, 100%. I love praying for, for people to come into the prayer room. I love praying for musicians and singers and for myself in the marketplace, I want the Lord to to bless the things I do. I want him to to prosper me so that I can help fund, so that I can help bless and strengthen all these other expressions. Like uh, it's Mike Bickle talks about you're one idea away from a million dollars. And and I pray that the Lord would give me that idea so that I could see the the funds go forth to to establish the prayer and the missions and all those things that are on his heart. And so uh, when I'm praying those prayers of Lord, bring the singers, bring the musicians, we're often also praying, Lord, bring the finances, bring the support. And so I feel really tied to all those prayers. I feel like I'm I'm praying them, I'm resonating with them, and I'm in my heart sort of kind of secretly hoping that the Lord will <laughs> use me to to have those things go forth that that maybe one day he'll just drop something on me and I'll be able to then be his vehicle to just release the things that he has for the the prayer expression in our city. So do you guys think that's, is that the main role of the marketplace people to bring in the resources <laughs> and the funding into the prayer movement? Like, is that how you see yourself? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I think that's, that's, can be a stereotype of it. Like, that's what you're good for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you bring offering into, like, you can tithe more because you make more, <laughs> which is never, ever the outcome, right? If you give someone a dollar value and you're viewing that as their value, you're missing, missing the heart. Um, so I think we've got to be careful. I think every individual needs to check their mindsets on that of how do you view someone if you meet someone in full-time ministry and then you meet um, just a full-time worker in, in, in any capacity. And does your view of them change? Because being someone who loves Jesus and bringing that into any sphere of society is so beautiful. And I 
love meeting passionate Christians who are real estate agents, who are lawyers and who are tree planters. Like I love meeting people who love Jesus and me thinking, wow, I could never do what you do. And I'm so glad that you're there because I'm not going to go become a Okay, archaeologist was the first like profession that came to mind that I'm not going to go do. But like, I'm so glad that someone is, that someone is shining the light of Jesus and loving people there. Like, my heart gets so excited when there's passionate Christians in other spheres. So, heck no, is it just about like the money they generate? Um, I think people who love Jesus with money is awesome because if, yeah, funding the kingdom is amazing, but it's never just about that. I think really that is the danger in, in the prayer movement. In other movements, it might be different. I can't speak to those, but I know in the prayer movement, because we value the place of prayer, because we value singing and worship in 24-7, and those things require funding, they require that that dollar value in some ways, uh, it can get a little bit warped and you can feel like the people who are on staff, uh, they're the exalted ones. They're the hmm. ones who are doing what we what we long for, the prayer, and the people who are only able to make one or two prayer meetings a week and spending their rest of the time in the workplace, they're sort of second class. And for me, that's a a real issue because uh, if you think back to the Reformation with Martin Luther and the nailing of the theses and the idea that he was saying, everyone should be able to read the Bible, everyone should be able to come to the Lord, there shouldn't be this barrier, there shouldn't be priests, there shouldn't be a system, it should be the believer and God, and that's it, that we're all, it's the idea of the universal priesthood of all believers. We are all priests. We all come to God on the same footing. And so, I really think that we want to, in the prayer movement, be careful that we don't label an intercessory missionary as an intercessor, and then the rest of us aren't intercessors. Right. We're all intercessors. We're all praying. We're all Christians, and we're all on the same level. Uh, we all have different assignments, but we don't have different value or different um, you know, placement in our in our churches and in the kingdom. That is really good. I love to hear that. Uh, so, how do you, as a marketplace person, how do you, how would you feel validated from someone that is in the ministry on the stage doing that sort of thing? Like, what kind of things could we do to make you feel validated? For example, like, what if I came up to you and said, Jehu? We need Christian teachers. We need those that are going to influence our children, that are going to bring the kingdom to the kids. I'm here praying, and I'm praying for revival to hit this nation. Who are going to be the burning ones in the workplace that are bringing that Christian influence, who are being Jesus to the students, who are being Jesus to the workplace, and influencing them? That is your ministry. That's where the Lord has called you, just like He's called me to be a worship leader in the house of prayer. It's not less. It's not more. You're called to the workplace. I'm called to lead worship. Well, yeah, even just doing that, I mean, that right now, I just feel that on my heart. That's so encouraging and I feel so validated. In some ways, it might be just as simple as knowing what profession they're in. How many people in our church do we know their name, but we don't know what they do for a living? We don't know where they spend the majority of their waking hours. And so, asking them, being interested, being involved, and then being able to pray for them, being able to have those meetings. The other thing for me is, honestly, the marketplace prayer meetings having a place where you can have a dedicated time for prayer in the marketplace and then people showing up to that like being there ours is a little bit early it's at uh, <laughs> 6 30 in the morning we uh, have to do it before work um, but 
just just coming to that meeting and saying, hey, I'm here to stand with you on the wall, to contend in the place of prayer for the things that are on your heart, for the things that you're going to encounter in your day, in your workplace. Uh, that's just so, so, such an encouragement. That's a really, really validating thing to, to say. So when, when I hear, uh, in the announcements that they're mentioning the marketplace prayer meeting was starting up again, like I, I started clapping and I cheered. I was like, woo, we, the marketplace <laughs> meeting is, is starting up and, and we're announcing it and it, it matters. And for me, that was like, I just, that, that hits my heart. That's so good. As a worship leader, I love leading worship at the marketplace prayer meetings because it feels like it's a way for me to lift you guys up saying, you are on the front lines. The enemy's going after our children. The enemy's going after various spheres of influence. And you guys are on the front lines. You're bringing the kingdom. You're advancing the kingdom as a people of prayer. And you're here to get the fire to go out into the, to the workplace and advance the kingdom. That's, I love leading those meetings. That's so good. It's so good just to encourage one another, right? I think too, like if you could just walk up to any fellow Christian, right? And again, this could be in or out of a prayer room, right? Just a Sunday morning church expression. You still would feel some of these different discrepancies between people, maybe just full-time ministry on your staff, even if they're not intercessory missionaries and just someone who goes to work every day. But just going up to someone who does, you know, work and go, hey, what would be your dream for God to do in your workplace? Like, what would that look like for you? And to hear their answer and be like, how can I pray for this to come to pass? Like, what do you want to see God do in your retail store, in your business room, in in anything, right? And so to start to get God's heart for these places, because as these places are changed, our city's going to change, our nation's going to change, right? Um, but it always starts with individuals. Like, he always is coming after that one person. And so I think to, to really care about the people who are in different workplaces, who are experiencing different parts of revival in different places that we might not know about because we're not asking them, what's God doing where you're at five days a week? I think that's a great question to ask because like in the house of prayer, if they ask us what our vision is, like quite often it's the same thing, worship and prayer 24 seven. We want to see revival come, but God's given a vision to everybody, including those in the workplace. And he might've given you a specific vision for your workplace. One question I want to ask the two of you is what about for people who find themselves just in the marketplace, not out of calling, but out of necessity, they just find themselves at what they can sometimes even consider to be a quote unquote dead end job, or maybe they're at a great job, but it's, it's not a calling for them. They're just sort of here. What do you do for those people? Is, is, do you have any advice for, for people in that situation? Oh, that's so good because I think a lot of people can relate to that. There's some people who are so passionate about their work and say, yes, God has so clearly called me here. I see the vision. I have the dreams for it. And they're the people who are like, well, I'm working here because that's the job I have at the moment. Um, and I think my encouragement is just seek the Lord there and see what he wants to do because there's no place that God doesn't want to reach and where he has you, he can use you. And if it's that, the fact that you're in a room in any building in town and you're worshiping the Lord there and you're loving there, loving the Lord there, that matters. And you get to influence people again, that other people don't get to influence and that matters. And so just to not view anything is just a means to an end. No job is just to get a paycheck at the end of the day, right? Our lives are so much more than that. And I think that's just the cycle of the world that it's so easy to get caught up in. And it's really like, wait, 
How do I stop? How do I live in light of eternity every single day? How do I live under the truth that I am made for God uh, every single day? And how do I bring that into my job if I'm a teller, if I'm just something that doesn't feel very glamorous, I'm maybe not even that passionate about um just connect with his heart there and i know he has something for you because he can if he's the god who can create something out of nothing he can bring something to life in your workplace no matter how much you don't like your job (laughs) so just seek him and see what he wants to do um because yeah i really really think that he wants to spread revival through believers who are just loving him no matter where they are yeah i think you can ask the question of the lord say what are you doing in my workplace? It's menial. I don't like it there. But what are you doing? What are you? What do you think about it? What do you think about my coworkers? And I think that helps. But also, as a second thing, I think the Lord gets us in those seasons to teach us things. There are lessons that we don't know that we're going to need down the road. I felt called to the ministry since I was five years old. Wow. Yohan's got an awesome story that he needs to share in full sometime. I'm not going to do it in full right now, (laughs) but I felt called into ministry since I was five years old. I didn't know what that was necessarily. And finally, when the House of Prayer came along, I, I learned, okay, this is my calling. I'm called to be a priest before the Lord. And even then, I, I was still working in the workplace. I didn't quit my job, and I didn't go to the house of prayer right away. There are a lot of things that need to happen in order for that to take place. But the Lord had me in different jobs. He had me working in retail. He had me working in a school as an EA. And I can say definitively now that I'm a way better intercessor and doing my role a lot better because of those lessons that I've learned in those jobs. And the Lord has taught me specific things in each of those circumstances that makes me way better at my job in ministry. That's so cool, Johan. That's so great that your heart was just open to grow from the Lord in any season. And then he's always going to write it into your story and just grow you. Better. It wasn't always easy. Oh, I mean, no. <laughs> there's still the frustration. God, when can I go full time? I'm going nuts right. here. I'm called to ministry and here I am working at a till and here I am working <laughs> yeah. with this student that hates doing his work <laughs> and won't won't work with me. And yeah. it's challenging and it's frustrating, but you know, the Lord has you there for a reason and you got to ask him and seek out his heart. And sometimes the answer is not even there until you take that next step, until he moves you along into something else. I think that's one of those things about really being patient with the Lord's leadership. I know that for people in the marketplace or people who feel called to full-time ministry, there's often a tension, whether you're in the marketplace and you're waiting for that job or that promotion, or whether you're in full-time ministry, but you're not actually full-time. There's there's people even in our house of prayer who feel called to full-time ministry, but they're also working a job during the week. Maybe they're part-time, maybe they're doing some evenings, and so they're not able to fully give themselves to what they feel called for. Um, do either of you have any thoughts on that? Any encouragement for those types of people? Because I think it's it's a real vulnerable place to be not fully in the workplace, but not fully in a full-time ministry. You're kind of neither. And in some ways, you can almost fall through the cracks earlier, easier, sorry, than uh, someone who's one or the other. Yeah. almost When you're describing that, I'm like, man, that seems humbling to want to be somewhere, but not be there yet. That's that's always hard. And we find ourselves in those seasons. It feels like more often than not. Like, I feel like I'm in that waiting or not quite where I want to be season so much more often than I'm in the, this is the fulfillment season. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that, Lord? But um, my encouragement is the Lord knows when to bring you into the right season. And instead of looking at it, oh, this is just because of 
maybe not being in full-time ministry yet is a lack of finances or, you know, but the Lord's not limited. And so he's, he's the God of everything. He will bring you into the right season in the right time. And so to trust that if I'm seeking him fully and giving him my whole life, I can't really put that blame on anyone else or hold out onto any of that, but I can just, I can seek and love him fully where I am. And if that's partially in ministry and partially in workplace, I can see my workplace as an overflow from my ministry and vice versa. I can love people differently because I almost have a foot in both worlds. Uh, Instead of feeling like I don't belong in both worlds, I can have the opportunity to love people differently because I understand both worlds. Um, So I would say keep going this is just an encouragement for every believer who doesn't feel like they have the fulfillment of their promises. Keep going because God's the only one who can bring it about. If we force a season, it's not going to last and it's not going to bear the fruit it was meant to. And so keep trusting him. Keep going even if you feel like you've been waiting for way too long. <laughs> and know that when the Lord does bring you there, it's it's just going to be worth it. And his timing actually is good. I think for me, it was remembering that Jesus wasn't he was what 30 years old when he started his ministry so it got me to 30 and when i got to 30 that's when i started getting frustrated like jesus you wait till you're 30 okay i think i'm ready for this thing now but then i also thought about the disciples how they were in ministry with jesus but then after he died, they went back to fishing. And that's when Jesus called them back into ministry. So it's like, okay, there's those ups and downs. The Lord might have you in ministry for a season. And then you got to go work in the workplace again. And maybe he's going to call you into something else. And then he sends them to the, to the ends of the earth, right? To die and be martyred and build <laughs> wow, a kingdom yeah. and all and that stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's definitely the ups and downs. And you just got to go with the flow of the Lord because that's, it's, this is our internship in life. It's, we have this 80 years on earth and there's an eternity of everlasting rewards behind it. Yeah. I always think of, of the idea that the safest place is in his plan is in his purposes for us. It's not our dreams or our hopes that either we have out of our own ambition or even the Lord's given to us, but the safest place is in his will. And that's where we can find our peace and find our, our, our comfort. So we, we kind of veered off topic a little bit, not, not that bad. Uh, I just have one simple question for you guys before we move on to an audio clip that we got. Uh, what can we do as missionaries to sow into those in the marketplace? Like something just practical. I think just encourage the people around you. I think, um, yeah, never. I mean, I think an encouraging body is a healthy body and we all need encouragement. And so to to encourage people who are in completely different spheres of society than you are to take time to ask them questions to listen to them to ask them you know what dreams god has given them for their workplace and to pray for them to really be the body around people who are so different than you because again in our humanness we tend to gravitate to people who are like us that's our most natural inclination and so just wait step back and say wait this person is completely different than me in lots of ways, but also they just work such a different job. Let me be interested in that. Let me pray for them. Not that you have to be best friends with all of them, but let me just care about them enough because again, this isn't a tier system. This is no sort of hierarchy. This is the fact that we're children of God and 
we're the body of Christ and I want to care for my brothers and sisters and I want to do that well and I want to work together with them well. I want to pray alongside them, not saying, oh, these are the overseas missionaries and these are the intercessory missionaries and these are the marketplace people, right? I think you could look around our house of prayer probably and make those distinctions, but why? Like, why would we like make dividing lines where we all are just children of God who, yeah, who live for Jesus? Like, let's just, let's just encourage each other and be unified, guys. (laughs) So how important is it for you to have this marketplace prayer meeting to go to at least regularly as, as marketplace people? We actually had someone call in and she shared her heart on how important it is for her. So we're going to share that. It is encouraging. It is inspiring. It is such a great reminder of the privilege and the honor that I have as a believer to go out into these places and meet people that I otherwise would never come into contact with and just shine the love of Jesus through my words, through my actions. And it's really strengthening to come together with other believers and to be reminded of his promises for the marketplace, to be reminded that he is committed to seeing his glory seen throughout every sphere of society and that we get to partner with him in it, both in prayer and then from that place going out strengthened, encouraged, and sharing the love of Jesus it's such a privilege. It's such an honor. It's such a blessing. I can't recommend it highly enough. I love it. Rebecca, thank you so much for sending in that audio clip. It's great to hear from you being on the front lines and what the Marketplace prayer meeting means to you. And I'm sure you're not alone in that. And and we'd love to hear from you other listeners too. If you're involved in the Marketplace prayer meeting, what what does it mean to you? We'd like to hear from you as well. Uh, so as we close, it is now time for Jessica's tips to stay engaged in prayer. Hey guys, it's Jessica here bringing you another tip on how to stay engaged in the place of prayer. This week's tip is to meditate on an attribute of God. This is so, so powerful, guys, because we will never reach the end of discovering who God is. It really is the purpose of our lives, of our journeys, of every season. If we can just discover more of who God is, it's so worth it. When we're in the place of prayer, we want to get to know God more. So to take an attribute of God and to spend time dwelling on it, meditating on it, praying it out in faith, and then praying and saying, Holy Spirit, I can't reach the end of this. Tell me more. To sit and meditate on the fact that God is faithful. I will never reach the end of that. Certainly not in a prayer meeting and definitely not in my life. And so... Just like anything, meditation does take a bit of perseverance. It's to to kind of let your thoughts reach the end of themselves and then push it and keep on going and ask Holy Spirit to speak into it. And your faith will build as you do this, as you're meditating on the fact of how faithful God is, how loving he is, how merciful he is, how full of redemption he is. Pick any attribute of God that makes your heart come alive and you will find that Holy Spirit wants to speak to you on it. And from that place, from that revelation, whether it feels big or small, whether it's that simple encouragement on your heart, oh wait, God is so merciful. I have everything because of him. Let me pray a prayer of thankfulness because of it. That's powerful because it came out of that place of revelation. So guys, 
this week, spend time meditating on an attribute of God in the place of prayer. Let your prayers be spurred on by that and reach new places from that revelation. Let us discover who God is as we're praying for him to work and move. He is His prayer for us is that we would just know him more and we love him more. So let's join those together. Let's do them both at the same time. Let's fall in love with Jesus while we pray his heart back to him. So we all have our place in the prayer movement. We we got those who are called to the workplace and we got those that are called to be in the house of prayer full time and everybody else. And none of them are better than the other person. They're, God needs them all. He wants them all in, in this movement and they encourage and strengthen each other. So I want to encourage you guys, find a marketplace person, find a house of prayer person and encourage one another, lift each other up, keep each other going. We need each other. We are the body of Christ. You cannot say I have no need of you because you do. So if you enjoyed this week's episode, let us know. Subscribe. Send it to your friends. Otherwise, we don't know. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or just go to our website, burningrooms.ca, and you'll find the links to all our social media, resources, and just different ways you can connect with us and find out more about us. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to even submit questions or comments or things you want to talk about that you heard on the show today. It's as simple as going to our website. Or you can record a voice memo onto your phone and email it to burningroomspodcast at gmail.com. It's burningroomspodcast at gmail.com. Or again, go to our website and you'll find out all the links and how to get a hold of us in the various different ways at burningrooms.ca. Until next time, I'm Johan. I'm Jehu. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Burning Burning Rooms Rooms Podcast. Podcast.